0: Online at kfuo.org.
1: Good afternoon, universe, and welcome to another episode of Concord Matters, where we seek to be of one mind according to the mind of our Lord Jesus Christ, remembering that when God speaks, he wants us to speak back, and it's possible to know the truth. It will indeed set you free. It's the first Tuesday of the month, which means it's your regular compadre of compatriots, whatever that means. Pastor Peter Ill, the angelic one of Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt, Indy, Illinois, Pastor Sean Smith, the unanswerable one, <laughs> they're laughing at me already, uh, St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Winehill and Emmanuel Lutheran Church in West Point, Illinois, and uh, the subtle Mr. Peter Slayton, social media manager of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, with me, your 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 board operator and tyrant, Pastor Jonathan Fisk. I'm, I work here. You're bored already? I'm bored. <laughs> You're am, bored already. Uh, I work here at KFUO, and we're going to be looking today at the Apology to the Augsburg Confession, Article Five, three, four. Depending on how you want to count it, beginning at paragraph ninety. And Pastor Smith, I believe you were you were hosting last week, and I was. Uh, and you got us to this point. Would you Would you like to do just a summary recap of last week? Uh, yeah. Well, so
2: the the apology here is is refuting. Uh, the arguments of our adversaries, what Rome was was arguing against our what we had presented about the article of justification in the Augsburg Confession itself. And so now we're refuting what they refuted from us. And uh, in doing so, we were talking about imitation of the Old Testament patriarchs, as well as the saints, especially those who had started monasteries. And that's really where they're going here in 90. Uh, we just briefly touched on that last week. And uh, one of the pastors I had on last week, Pastor David Wiesta, uh, brought up that there's this tension between imitation and innovation. I think we'll hmm. we'll see more of that going on, uh, that it begins with imitation of what we saw, but then not. The right understanding and so then you innovate to come up with something new and we can talk a little Well, bit I
1: about. think for a lot of Lutherans and this is really there's a whole other article in the uh, the uh, Augsburg Confession and the Apology dealing with the Saints for a lot of Lutherans, though in um, American Lutheranism the idea that we would imitate the Saints at all or or learn about them that there are such a thing as Saints days uh, that might be kind of news to people and make them a bit a bit awkward in and of itself that's too Catholic yeah kind of yeah and we do get that
3: from time to time and every time we get to look back at uh, Christ's saints and the faithful who have gone before us, we are quick to note that we are looking at them. And if, if you look at, the say, the prayers of the day that are given for a, a saint's day, it is always a prayer to God the Father— in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, thanking God for God's work for that saint. And I, I think that kind of a, a good place to set us up for the rest of today is to say we get to assume faith in those who've gone before us. Uh, there's a certain aspect of, of me as a sinner, and I think of a lot of people, to want to go after the people who've come before us um, and to kind of go on a little bit of a witch hunt. Um, some of the folks who are listed here in the Lutheran Confessions as saints aren't exactly some of my favorite people in church history. Francis, uh, really? You don't love Francis? Um, everybody loves Francis. He's
4: right. Right. I, love, I love. I actually Francis. don't love Francis,
1: but everybody does love Francis. <laughs> <but> I don't. <laughs> well, I love. I love Francis,
3: uh, but I don't love some of the stories that come up about Francis. Uh, Francis's emphasis on charitable acts and taking care of people—wonderful, fantastic stuff. The uh, Talk about Francis having the the stigmata, the marks of the wounds of Jesus being uh, in his flesh. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I got some concerns about that. But we do get to thank God for the faith that he has given to Francis and to Dominic and to Bernard and to these other folks that we're going to get to talk about a little bit today. And I think we need to be not too quick to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And as we look and say, God works for them. And the same God, by the grace of Jesus Christ, works for me. And he works in the same way. That's what
4: we're going to talk about.
1: That summary of uh, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater applied to all ancient church tradition, including remembering the saints, kind of sums up the response to the that's too Catholic comment. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's too Catholic is when you start teaching that any of this justifies, right? That it starts becoming necessary.
2: Yeah, and I, I wonder, I didn't say this on the air last Last week, but uh, I wonder if uh, there was once the argument of that's too Old Testament because to back up where <laughs> awesome. where, where, I, where I where I started with us last week when I guest hosted uh, was line 85. I just want to kind of because it really does set yeah. up this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, do it. it says, furthermore, this godless opinion about works has always existed in the world. The heathen had sacrifices derived from the fathers. They imitated their works. They did not maintain their faith. And he goes, I mean, I think that, and that's where we talked about last week, that imitation versus innovation. Um, you know, when, when, when you're imitating, but you don't have the faith, when you don't have the full understanding of why the patriarchs, why the saints, why these, these folks live that way, um, then what you tend to do is innovate and come up with new things and, uh,
1: I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but this yeah. is why or how the minor prophets, the later prophets can come along and condemn Sabbaths and, and the festivals of the sacrifices that yeah. God himself put into place. It wasn't because God didn't put those things into place in the Levitical codes, but because they had become empty shells in which people were trusting in the work itself, rather than seeing it as pointing to the faith in the Messiah that was, was to come and whatnot. So, you know, I, not
2: even just the minor prophets, but Jesus himself doing it. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. He, yeah um, certainly fulfilling. He tended to go after the traditions of the elders a whole lot. And then you got the, you do have him uh, saying that the son of man. Uh, Sabbath was made for, not made for man. Oh, which one is it? Yeah. Sabbath was made for man, not man not for that. the Sabbath. Yeah.
3: To be just a little bit picky, the minor prophets and Jesus go after the uh, improper motives yes. of people. Um, and they, they don't go after the Sabbath itself. Uh, just as an
1: important point of clarification. I think, you're, yes, I think that that's ultimately the essence of it, but, like, I deplore your sacrifices, I deplore
3: right? your sacrifices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, your false sacrifices, I deplore. And if you think that you're going to come in here and manipulate God, yes. Uh, if you think that's how the sacrifice works, then you're wrong. Uh and we try i try to manipulate god all the time um, if i do this if i were a better pastor then if i can I had get prayed my way just
4: a little bit more yeah yeah
3: and yeah. and it's really uncomfortable to admit this uh, and it's especially uncomfortable to admit it on the radio but here i am easy now um <laughs> But there is this this very true uh, sinner side of all of us yeah. that wants to manipulate God and who comes back again and again to breaking the first commandment. And as we get into paragraph 90, it's going to very clearly say these guys were saved by faith. And so the cool things that they did, and they did some cool things, that's fantastic. But you know what? Deep down, it's all about faith.
1: So Let's go ahead and jump into that then. Paragraph 90 says... And again, all these names dropped as, this is like Madonna, right? It's just first name drops. But these guys were, they're big names in the ancient church. Anthony, Bernard, Dominic, Francis, and other holy fathers selected a certain kind of life, either for the sake of study or other useful exercises. In the meantime, they believed that by faith they were counted righteous for Christ's sake, and that god was gracious to them not because of their own exercises. In other words, we recognize these guys who are often being quoted in this argument, they chose to live their dominican or their their, their not dominican but their you uh, Yeah, domestic, one of them mendicant, first, one yeah. of them was dominican. Their Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Another one was mendicant. Their 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 mendicant lives, right? Their mm-hmm. lives of vows not because they believed that it was going to save them but because it would lead to in in kind of a horizontal Aid for their life, whether it was study or or helping their neighbor. I think, uh, particularly um, uh, the oh, and I'm losing which one the Benedictines. Benedict, the Benedictine uh, rule even says right at the bat, I'm not laying down anything permanent or necessary. Right? It's just it's for the sake of ordering a community together as we live amongst the pagans, uh, and so recognizing that. But the multitude since then—that's kind of what uh, the the reformers were facing in the late medieval monastic traditions. The multitude since then has imitated not the faith of the fathers, but their example without faith. By such works the multitude thought they might merit forgiveness of sins, grace, and righteousness. They did not believe that they received these things freely on account of Christ as the atoning sacrifice. I mean, does he sound like he's saying the same thing? I think it does. There's a reason for that, because it's the same problem. The world judges that all works are an atonement by which God is appeased. They are a price by which we are counted righteous. It does not believe that Christ is the The I love that. Christ is the atonement. So now we're back to a little bit of the opinion of the law as well, right? That the whole world assumes that if God's going to love me, then I better do something about that.
3: And this opinion of the world breaks into the church and breaks into the sinners who gather on Sunday mornings on a really regular basis. Because... As the Book of Concord is written, this is a step ahead of the we've always done it that way argument, especially in the Lutheran Church. But here it is. Uh, these same conversations that swirl around us in the in the Lutheran Church all the time are right here already. Because we've always done it that way. This is just who Lutherans are. We sit in the back of the church and we have jello salad and we, <laughs> we worship in this way and we do it and and we use uh, this setting of the divine service, and we sing these hymns, and, and we just do it this way because that's the way we've always done it, it misses something. We do it this way because this clearly teaches that Jesus is the atonement for our sins. We don't just do it because we're lazy and... We don't want to change we do it this way because it teaches that jesus is the christ the son of god who has come for our forgiveness and so we latch on to jesus and not that we've always done it this way if there is a way that teaches jesus better then by all means let's use it but when we're just talking about we've always done it that way well
1: ho-hum They're i'm not, not so sure there's excited. a way that teaches jesus better than jello salad though i mean i think that that's well, about his- well red
4: or green which one are we going with? Red yeah. for his blood. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm then, with you then there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, green.
1: Green would be he'd be Vulcan. He'd be a Vulcan <laughs> well, I, if it was green. I was gonna say
4: that that's a that's an excellent point where we can take practices that are that are well let I me mean, let me back up a little bit. We read this, you know, the multitude is insisted on the faith of the fathers, but their example without faith, you know, meriting by works. And we tend to think of the works as like okay, they're not necessarily Good things to be doing. But I think it's important to remember that even the very good things that we do, like you're saying, you mentioned just the, you know, we've always done it that way. But I think there's simply just the lack of understanding. So take the liturgy, um, the order of service that we use, why we worship the way we worship, how we worship the way we worship, and fail to teach it to somebody for their entire life so they don't have any clue why we're doing what we're doing, what is what this looks like, what the point of any of this is. And so they have no idea how this actually points to Christ in every aspect of what we're doing. But they've had it pounded into them that you must be here every Sunday. You must do this. This is the right way to worship. This is where you have to be. And all of a sudden you've got this potential, if not a reality, of ex operato. Well, as long as I go to church and show up and the church is worshiping in this way, I'm good to go. And that can be said of all forms of uh, music. I I just picked the liturgy because, you know, we tend to lean towards that. I wanted to make sure we weren't letting ourselves off the hook.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that ex operado oper- operato uh, came up in line 89. And we talked a little bit about this last week. How It's interesting how at the time of the Reformation, you know, you, you would pay for masses to be said. And it was a spectator sport, really. I mean, you were um, meriting things by having the holy priests say masses for you or a passed on loved one. And, of course, the whole purgatory issue was tied up in that. But we Lutherans have fallen off on this ourselves now, too. I mean, uh, how many of us... You know, even in my own life, I've, I've recognized my mentality has been there at one point where we just kind of, we come into church because this is where we where we have to be in order to do the thing that we're doing right. And, uh, that is really distracting to take a picture <laughs> we're while we're on the air. Selfies in the Sorry. middle. <laughs> Look, social
4: media is where <laughs> yeah. it's at. We got to get yeah. the word out about the show. But, but this is Otherwise, an innovation.
1: People won't be saved. But anyway, <laughs> <right now.
2: laughs> but, but, and I've realized to come back to my, my thought now, um, I've realized how here, too, this is what's led to some of the innovation, um, because w- what it became was we just go through the liturgy, we kind of go through the motions, and we took for granted that people knew mm-hmm. what was going on, and so it is very important that we teach yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the depth of what the, you know, how you engage these things, what words mean, things like that. Because then, what does happen is you do have these people that are just kind of sitting in the pews on Sunday, going through the motions, and thinking that they're being saved by going through the motions. And God's gifts aren't work on them. And, and there's a lot of comfort in that too. I don't want to fall too far off to the legalist side here, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, when we see that kind of you know. Um, It gets termed dead orthodoxy, you know, things like that, just going through the motions. Well, then we feel really tempted to innovate because we have to stir up something again. And uh, and that's what I see them wrestling with here, yeah, right? Fall off on the you, you're you're going side. through the imitation. It becomes kind of a dead practice. And so they're kind of slamming, you know, it, it becomes, and it's going to really get into it here in another line or so um, where, you know, now you're coming up with all these new orders and things like that, because you, you have to, you have to innovate. You have to stir up that feeling again.
1: The way that the liturgy, if we understand it as the the historic practice of how we point to word and sacrament, because we don't get an option to get rid of word and sacrament, you know, that, that is, that is given by Jesus, but the, the way that the liturgy has become a dead practice or ever does become a dead practice is when people stop listening to it uh, the words you know they cease to have their meaning either cuz we don't know what they say but i don't know how much of it is really that or just we we just we're so bored in our flesh that we don't listen where I've seen this personally is at times is when the pastor himself isn't even listening. You can tell by the way he's reading stuff, he's not paying attention to the words. Well, how then can any of us expect to, to care deeply about it? But then the flesh says, therefore, we must save this thing, right? We become the saviors. We're going to add a new work. As you said, it's going to go a different direction. And, and we're going to, we're going to make church alive again, rather than repenting and coming back to the words as the, as the thing that gives the life. I want to touch on Another thought that you guys made me think about here, I think it was back when you used the liturgy a little bit as your example, Peter Slayton, uh, mm-hmm. um, because one of the places where it just it struck me so deeply was at a, a parish I served, I think it was several parishes ago, and they were having some trouble putting on the Christmas pageant that year. They just couldn't quite get the volunteers to make it happen. There were a bunch of kids that were going to be gone on vacation, so they weren't going to have, you know, Mary was going to be the wrong age or whatever it was. I don't remember all that. But I remember a, a statement that was made that was along the lines, I'm paraphrasing a little, but it was along the lines of this if we don't have the christmas pageant how will the children ever learn about the birth of jesus now what that struck me in that moment then is is it stuck with me ever since as an example of is the belief that the means by which we teach is the same thing as the thing that we teach that as somehow children can't be christians without christmas pageants which is nonsense if you think about it yeah it's children's church we know that well, yeah. <laughs> but they <laughs> they need but they do need to be taught about about Christmas, and and that's the distinction we're trying to get at here. Even within uh, the exemplars of the saints, following the saints, we're talking about what we do with the liturgy. Uh, do we do we need divine service three and the setting that follows it uh, musically? No, of course not. Uh, but but do we need to have a pattern of sound words that points to Word and Sacrament ministry? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, we can't we can't get away from that. So before we go on with more text, and we're going to take a break and well, respond. And, to any and of that? what yeah. tends
2: to happen is is that we fall off on this. You know, we're, it's just empty imitation. I, I can't tell you how how often when I was younger, I was never really taught that words mean things. Just to be honest, I mean, even our modern education system really doesn't instill this into you. And so just singing the hymns. And it, it wasn't until later in life that I really started to realize, wow, there's some, like, deep, rich stuff that yeah. I've been saying in my whole life. Um, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just, I was not learning simply because I wasn't even taught, you know, hey, Pay, Pay attention. attention to what you're singing here, <laughs> That's right. That's you right. know, actually take a look at it. And what do these words mean? And so, yeah, you, you follow up very quickly into this pattern that has this godless opinion has been there ever since the beginning. And it also what was what was brought up in here, too, is the appeasing of God. And I don't want to gloss over that either, because this is present by our sinful nature, in everything mm-hmm. uh, and we're not exempt from it every religion in the world you know and sometimes we think of the older pagan religions it stands out more there mm-hmm. uh you know especially as you look at some of like the native american or mayans or you know things like that uh um, kind of worship practices and so forth where they're literally offering up sacrifices to appease the gods you know so that they'll send rain or things like that i mean it stands out in those older religions but really every religion is centered around what i have to do to appease god and when when we Christians fall off on that, we have fallen off to, onto something that is completely unbiblical. And they did it in scripture multiple times too.
1: That makes me want to jump back into the prayer issue that that Peter Slayton again brought up earlier as a place where it's very slippery. Because as a pastor, I know you guys have experienced this. You have, when people are sick, even someone you've never met before, if you run into them and they're ill or there's some issue going on, they're going to ask you to pray for them. And there's underneath that, there's this belief amongst some, maybe not amongst all, but amongst some, that a pastor's prayer is more likely to get answered with a yes than than otherwise. This is, in fact, pagan sacrifice. Believing in a holy man who has access to God by means of special rituals he does that not everybody else can do. It's so fast to, 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 to flip that switch from you know, pastor, please pray for me. Nothing wrong with that. Two, uh, pastor, you got to pray for me because I need to get healed and you're going to get it done, right? As opposed to the Christian view of prayer, which is that you're God's child. He's listening to you too, by the way, you know? yeah.
3: Well, it's, the, the it's, prayer it's, of a righteous person is-, is avails, much. Avails, avails much. Avails much,
1: yeah. I, I think it can
4: be even more basic than that though in just the the prayer itself is what will affect the healing. That mm-hmm. if I don't pray, I won't get healed. And if I want to get healed, I got to pray. I mean so we very and then if you get the pastor to pray for you yes that's even better it's a step up but it's you've already started down a, a difficult path by making the prayer itself the thing that causes you know it, it is straight up animism at that point you know my actions can manipulate god into doing a particular thing it's straight it, up what animism what's that it's it's <laughs> cartoons from japan <laughs> oh
3: okay
4: no, that's that's anime that's anime so so animism that would be uh it, it often it's it's a paganism would would often fit into that what what Pastor Sean was talking about but this uh, spirit worship ancestor worship the idea that our actions can manipulate the spirit world um, it's most easily seen over in Africa I'm a missionary kid from Africa so you know I, I <laughs> that's why that's why it comes to mind but it's amazing to see the parallels and how we treat our own actions our own activities as things that can manipulate. The divine or the supernatural. Um,
1: so that's that's a very basic definition of what animism yeah. involves. Yeah, Doctor Google tells us it's the you're right, but it to give us the definition, the attribution of a soul to plants, inanimate objects, and natural phenomena. So seeing a spirituality at work behind the creation itself, which is God's spirituality. Sure.
2: Which St. Paul says in Romans is exactly what we're inclined to do by our sinful nature, right? We worship the created things rather than the creator. But to come back to this, again, it's going to come up again with the saints, but the Holy Fathers, you know, that, you know, oh, pastor, pray for me because, you know, you clearly have something you know, that, that will avail for me, uh, much better. And that's, that's where they fall off. I, I made the parting shot last time. When we think of Francis, uh, you know, St. Francis of Assisi, we think of him as the bird guy, you know, or whatever he's at, uh, you know, hospitals and things like that. And, um, but that's all distorted from what Francis actually was doing, was living the natural fruit filled life of recognizing that his holiness is found in Christ Jesus first. And that's the article of justification. But then we've begun to imitate and we've begun to look at him. Uh, and, and it's just generally given of, you know, oh, yes, well, saint, clearly, St. Saint Francis can do something for me. You know, he's a saint that did great things in, in his life. And, and they're not imitating the actual faith that led St. Francis to doing those things
1: bird (laughs) man
4: see I just think of him as that guy who never had to preach the gospel because he just lived it
1: well, there is right. that falsely. I mean, right. this is this is kind that's of a the, nice uh, the myth,
4: apocryphal quote nice, right. attributed yeah. to him. Yeah, dispel
1: the the myth. It was not from him. It's from some some uh, mystical nun that came before him, I believe. But that oh. you no, know, preach the gospel at all times when necessary. Use, use words. words. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work that way no, at all. You can show mercy at all times when necessary. Use words. But if you're going to preach the gospel, you got to talk about the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on that note, that's a good place to take a little break here at Concord Matters, seeking to be of one mind in our Lord's words about himself for our sake we'll be back in just a moment
0: concordia university wisconsin and mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful lake michigan shoreline CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of 9 Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education? CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.
1: Three things make a believer. Arazio Meditatio Tentatio Prayer Meditation and Growth which is why every weekday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. we bring you Arazio an hour of solace contemplation scripture sacred music and faith Arazio the dawn breaks with prayer every morning on worldwide KFUO
3: Hi,
4: I'm Mary Schmidt, Development Manager for KFUO.
0: And I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, Donor Care Specialist for the station.
4: Please pray for the continued success of our ministry as the gospel message now goes across the world.
0: Thanks for partnering with us so our red on-air light might stay lit.
4: If you would like further information about being a partner, call me at 314-996-1518.
0: Or me at 314-996-1520.
4: Thank you
3: in advance for your support. We are Worldwide KFUO. I
2: deserve a reward. After all, I found our dream house. I have a pickle. Thanks.
1: But I found out how much the house was going to cost Pastor pass the jar. But
2: I found us the perfect mortgage. But then
1: I found out the house had radon. Ugh. The radioactive gas that's the second leading cause of lung cancer. Yeah,
2: well, I need mm, two pickles. I found the phone number to call, 1-800-SOS-RADON, where you can get all the information you need to test your home and fix a radon problem. No, I'd like some ice cream with this pickle.
0: Are you trying to tell me something? Protect your family from radon. Call 1-800-SOS-RADON. 1-800-SOS-RADON.
3: Five former U.S. presidents have birthdays in August, the oldest being Benjamin Harrison, followed by Herbert Hoover, Lyndon Johnson, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama. The personal reading copy of Benjamin Harrison's inaugural address is in the Library of Congress. In it, he wrote in pencil, This is the manuscript used by me in delivering the address, March 4, 1889,
1: his first autograph as president.
0: But did you know, Taking his oath of office as 23rd president, he placed his hand on the Bible, open to Psalm 121, 1 through 6. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Next to the verse he penciled, my hand was here when the oath was administered. Engage with the Bible in its impact and influence throughout the world.
3: Brought to you by Museum of the Bible.
1: Welcome back to Concord Matters, where finding concordia, that is harmony, underneath the words of our Lord Jesus Christ is a matter we take very seriously, even though we don't take Pastor Peter Ill very seriously at all. Pastor. Oh, they can't hear you until <laughs> I turn your mic on. Mics aren't even on to respond. <laughs> That's to why
3: that. you can't take me seriously if you can't hear me. Pastor Peter Ill,
1: he is pastor at uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstead, Illinois. We also got the unanswerable Sean Smith, pastor at Saint Paul's and Emmanuel, also on the other side of the river down there on the south end, and Mr. Peter Slade, social media manager of the LCMS, which myself, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, all-around uh, guy who likes to turn off people's mics and sometimes talk about Lutheran theology. We are in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. Page 140, if you got the gray cover, black cover? 114. 114 114.
4: for the reader's edition. A
1: little ways into paragraph 91, dealing with, on the surface, the imitation of the faith of the saints. uh, Underneath, how easy it is for us to take any good thing and turn it into an idol by believing that it becomes a source of our justification. Uh, they continue by saying saying this. I'm going to start with the previous sentence, I think, that the, the world judges that all works are an atonement by which God is appeased, right? So when the world tries to understand God, it, it goes into animism, believing it can use the world in order to make God happy in some way. God's kind of behind the squirrels and the rabbits and all that stuff, and that, that by, by making use of all the stuff in the right way, they can please God that these things, these works, whatever they are, are a price by which we are counted righteous. That is, the world does not believe that Christ is the atonement. Oh, I just love the way it says that there. The world does not believe that through faith we are freely counted righteous for Christ's sake. Since works cannot ease the conscience, other works are continually chosen. New rites are performed, new vows are made, and new orders of monks are formed beyond God's command, in order that some great work may be sought that may be set against God's wrath and judgment. I think this is what you we were talking about earlier, uh, Pastor Smith, that and the point is just so important. We create works to justify our conscience, and we talk really loud about them to get other people to tell us, yes, this is justifying us, and so we can convince each other that it does. But over time, the conscience still is feeling the guilt. And and so eventually, individuals and groups come to realize, oh, this isn't doing enough. This new thing I've done, this sacrifice I'm offering, it's not satisfying whatever God is out there, and I know that because I feel guilt, so I need to do more. This is Luther's experience under Rome that drove him to, to, to discover the gospel in Romans and the Psalms, but this is also the, the ongoing habit. I see this in particularly the trends of the New Age movement in America, which are moving from this diet to that form of stretching to left and right and wherever they go, and, and they're always finding a new guru to tell them, this thing now really is going to set your soul free.
3: And there's even pockets in the church that do the same thing. Uh, The first time that I had my eyes kind of opened to the new rites and innovations and kind of the new monasticism of the North American church was by uh, a book by uh, Hal Sinkbile on sanctification. Mm. And he started to talk about how the church is always looking out to isolate itself and to continue to build itself up by its works and to focus on being the church more than to focus on the grace of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And this continues to be borne out in my experience as I look around at the church. We want to talk about, uh, I want to be the church. I expect the church to be here for the world without talking about, but I but Christ is the cornerstone of the church, and the church is built upon him.
4: We, we've kind of already touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the pastor, maybe having a little extra in with God during prayer. When we talk about this, this new monasticism, the phrase you used, Pastor Ill, I, I grew up under this a little bit being a missionary kid. Uh, I, I think we've probably all encountered this idea that if you really want to serve God, well, there's two vocations. That you can really serve God in one is you know if you're a pastor, then you can really serve God. And two is if you'd be a missionary, and and those two we've kind of turned those into a new monasticism where it's like if you really want to be a Christian, if you really want to be serious about it, you really want to kind of show that that you're you're really really real. How many times can I say that there? Then well that's what you got to do. And we and look at that we've just turned once again a good thing. It's good to be a pastor. It's good to be a missionary. Now it's a necessary thing.
1: I was at a conference recently where somebody came up to me who was a new Lutheran convert from, I believe, uh, Presbyterianism, and she shared how freeing it was to no longer think she had to find a ministry for herself. That she used to have, you know, I would take care of my family, I would love my neighbor, and then I needed to make sure I was doing ministry on top of that all. And she said it's so freeing to realize that loving my neighbor Is I mean, we're going to. She doesn't want to use that language anymore. But it is doing ministry. But that language is getting at that we've created these these better works, this holier order of things, right? And that's where that phrase "holy orders" comes from. And that what this ends up doing is minimizing the uh, the 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 lesser, minimizing the lesser works, minimizing the real works, makes them seem like they're not as valuable.
2: Yeah, I, I grew up in a slightly different mindset even within the LCMS, uh, Mr. Slayton. That uh, it wasn't just becoming a pastor or a missionary; it was doing any kind of work around the church. Right? Sure. Um, and and I remember struggling with this um, very early on in my ministry that you know uh, people feel this tendency that they have to to do something in service in the church in order to do something that is pleasing to God. Yeah. All right. And so. I had fathers leaving responsibilities of making sure that they were home with their children, raising their children to be godly and involved in their children's lives and things like that. Um, that was their ministry. That was their, their first place of, you know, their primary vocation that God had given them to serve to his glory. And they were leaving that so that they could serve as an elder of the church. Now, we need elders in the church, but I mean, the reality is, is that we haven't inverted order we have a messed up order if that's our understanding and um you know you see this in a lot of your uh, quote unquote mega churches and things like that too you know that you know i have to serve you know if you want to serve god you know serve as our parking lot attendant or you know any. Any sort of service like it's, this—it's and, and, not
4: parking lot attendant; it's parking ministry,
2: right? Exactly. And I am actually call, not no, kidding. No, no yeah. I am not but, either. Right? Yeah, I am right with you. Snarky, yeah, but that's, they, that's they, actually they, what, it exactly is. what they will call it. You are yeah. right, and, um, and and so we, we we really feel this tension constantly, and 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 it's especially going to come up here in the passages of the adversaries. We we have these two tensions. It's either trying to climb up to God. Right. Um, by by our works and doing things that are pleasing, serving to his glory. What what you know, what does God want me to do? Or we kind of go off the other way, which is what they're kind of claiming the Lutherans are doing and we're not. Is that, oh, you know, there there should be no good works that follow. And we, we got to live in that tension. Um, and and what we need is a proper distinction of law and gospel. But, you know, that's just too Lutheran. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to remember that I don't want to self-promote too much, but I wrote a book called Broken, and in it, it yeah, talks I was going I was going to mention there was this
2: other author that I there's the slough you know. was
1: the slough of despondency is like this yeah. this or slew the 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 deep waters of freedom where you just kind of lounge around and never do anything, and then it was it was the waterfall though the, the works of righteousness climbing was the waterfall and I can't remember what I called it, it was it was fun it was silly um, something about the green pastures pilgrim's or something pride-ish. like that I think
2: he you, you mentioned in that. Yeah. pilgrims yeah.
1: progress so, yeah, well, yeah. Sounds a
2: little yeah. like that.
1: Yeah. It very much is. I mean, it's yeah. the same idea, effectively. Uh, now I lost what I was saying altogether, which makes for exciting radio. So I'm going to say, Pastor Peter Hill, it's your fault and you should talk now.
3: Okay. <laughs> um, well, if it's okay, uh, I think we should actually pick up and, and carry on. I, I know what was I was stuff. thinking
1: about. We should pick up and carry on, but I know what I was... Here's the thing, because I just heard Pastor Smith call... Peter Slayton, Mister Slayton, and and that just can't be. This is wrong. But the problem is we have we have Peter and Peter here, right? So right. I, we, we, I can't refer to Peter. Uh, just, generically, just generically, Peter. So yeah. part of me wants to go back to like grade school, and I got like Peter S and Peter I, right? The, like the incredible. one with the squeaky
3: voice is me, Pastor Ill <laughs> or Peter Ill. Um
1: The one with the nice rumbly baritone is is it's Peter Slayton.
4: Technically, I'm a tenor. Okay, so
1: I'm going to call you Peter Squeaky Voice? Like, that's your name now? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> squeaky Let's Peter? Unanswerable. <laughs> squeaky Peter? You're not unanswerable. An you're angelic. I'm can, angelic. Can we get back to the food. confession? I, want to, I, was, I, I was trying to. <laughs> I want to solve this problem in my own head. I can't take it. Okay, so paragraph 92. Just call me Slayton. Peter, I, would you like to read paragraph 92? I would love to read paragraph 92. Thank you, Reverend Mr. Fisk.
3: Contrary to scripture, (laughs) the adversaries uphold these godless opinions about works. They say these things about our works. They are an atonement. They merit forgiveness of sins and grace, and we are counted righteous before God by them, and not through faith. For Christ's sake is the atonement. What is this? other than to deny Christ the honor of mediator and atoning sacrifice. We believe and teach that good works must be done. Fulfilling of the law ought to follow faith. Nevertheless, we give Christ his own honor. And I think I'll stop there. I want you to read every time. That was awesome. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There is so much good stuff here. And they, they say these crazy, asinine things that... Our works are an atonement, that our works merit forgiveness. And the whole time I can just imagine Melanchthon writing this, kind of slapping himself on the forehead. But then he gets to say, no, this is actually what we believe. Uh, So after the, what is this? He goes on and says, we believe that Christ is the mediator and the atoning sacrifice. And he's quick to say, good works must be done. And there is no punch pulling here. We are indeed called, as people who are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to do good works. But those works don't save. We do good works because that's what Christians do. Period. And so we give Christ his own honor and we go on fulfilling those Christian vocations that we have, Christian husbands and fathers, wives and mothers, Christian businessmen and school teachers and pastors and garbage men, and all of the other wonderful tasks that God has called Christians to do, we go and we do them, and that's where we live out our good works, not by any kind of new monasticism or old monasticism, but just by being Christians in the world leads to the good works and the fruit that God has given us to do.
1: I think where this is is super slippery, though, is that you say, you know, these works don't slay, don't save, and I think that Christians across the board, whether they're outside or inside of the Lutheran churches, would say, oh, of course not, of course these things don't save. So it's slippery in that my conscience can start clinging to a work as if it justifies me without ever knowing that that's, that that's what I'm doing. My I, I natively, and you mentioned you do this all the time yourself, Pastor Hill, I, I natively every day do things believing that i will be in a better state because of them not just because i'm in a poor cup of coffee and now i have a cup of coffee but that after i do enough good things my life is going to get spiritually better and ultimately i may never use use the words god's going to like me more but i really do think If I do this, God will give me good things. If I don't, I I hit a hubcap on the freeway the other day. And, you know, I couldn't control that at all. It was fell off somebody's car and it broke the front end of my car. And I thought, well, what did I do to deserve that? See, and and just that thought, right, is assuming that it's based on God and me and works.
3: We we have some kind of Christian karma that we adopt into our lives. If I get up earlier this morning and pray uh, before doing what I usually do, then I'll have a better day. Uh, Somehow I can I can awaken the genie in the bottle and I can use this kind of Christian karma and we all give into it. And so what do what do Christians do to combat that? We go back to the law. We go back to the commandments that, that God has given, and we hear, uh, you shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And if thinking that you can get God to do what you want, and you can put him in a box and get him to accomplish for you what you want, you're misusing God's name. And you hear the second commandment, and you go, hmm. whoa, I'm sunk. <laughs> god (laughs) save me lord have mercy on me a sinner
1: the idea that the second commandment that prayer can be breaking the second commandment is a stunning thought i don't know if you know you just said that but you did just say i did and it's Mm -hmm. true it's Uh a stunning thought i break the second commandment when i pray wrongly bingo now how do i as a christian though not be afraid of praying as a result of that jesus we, we exactly <laughs> yeah, well. that's exactly what well, i was that's, going that's right. I think that's
4: right. our, our tendency when we're faced with a question like that is to find a way to soften the law just a little bit so i don't have to feel quite so bad but it's like no 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 let's tighten the screws down a little bit more to make sure you fully feel it and there the, that despair hits you and then it's like jesus thanks be to god Jesus Christ has saved me and has done this for me and in my stead and keeps me in the faith, I don't need to lessen the law or make it easier for me to bear because it's already been fulfilled. It's already been taken care of. So yes, feel that full crushing of it, but also believe that it's
2: been taken care
4: of. That's the answer.
2: I I think this manifests itself in so many different ways, but I mean, this is kind of an we're stuck in this evolutionary thinking that we we constantly have to be evolving to something better and better and and we as christians of course would say oh we don't believe in evolution stuff but but or we reincarnation, have reincarnation right which well, is we, have to, we have to we have to we have to acknowledge that uh, we we do sometimes get stuck in this evolutionary thinking where it's always a process and that's really where rome is falling off here is is it's a progressive sanctification in that sense of, you know, um, it's a process towards becoming more and more like Christ mm. instead of recognizing that your holiness is a state. Mm. You yeah. are holy in Christ by virtue of being baptized into Christ. You cannot become any more holy. You didn't and mean so, holy
4: as a pun, but it totally works dependent in spelling it both ways. That's actually really cool. You are holy in Christ right. entirely. And you are holy in Christ. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's I like that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but I, I think I'm a genius. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally fine crediting you with that. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I was gonna say it's 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 difficult because, as you just said, there are so many ways. This this is insidious. So we're talking about the works that must be done. And I think I'm going back about five minutes in our conversation here, but I had the thought of, you know, when I do good works, it does make me feel good. And then my tendency is, because I feel good, oh, that's God's pleasure. That's God smiling on me. And right there, I've already turned something that that can be a good thing, where when I am serving my neighbor, when I am loving them, doing something for them, there is a natural tendency that I might actually feel good about doing that. But then I take that very thing and I say, oh, see, yep, this is God smiling on me, and I just... Twist it right back around, and it's
2: all about me again. <laughs> well, and, and you brought up earlier, uh, Pastor Fisk, the, the, uh, um, the co- starting your morning with coffee. Hmm. And I wanted to be snarky and say this is heresy that you would say that, you know, uh, that you can start your morning and it, it could be good without coffee, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, but this reveals kind of the thing, right? I, I do recognize that when I start my morning, this is a very simple boiled down example that I'm trying to use here. But when I start my morning with coffee, I do feel better instantly you know that the caffeine gets going it opens up my brain and i you know yep. just feel good but then you know i become dependent on it and and this actually happens you know some mornings where things are running a little late or things like that and and i didn't get my morning coffee and i've become dependent on it and now my whole day is wrecked you know and it, it, i think the same thing happens with our works we we do naturally feel good when we when we live according to God's law, because he gives it to us so that we would know what happiness really is. Yeah. This is it God's is, will for th- yeah, my life. This really is happiness when, when we obey and it does feel good. Um, but then we become dependent on it and think, well, I, I, I have to really do this. And, and it's just, it's, we, well, we, we wanna, switch right over there very
1: quickly. We want to take out a mirror and look at the good works after we've done them and then yeah. pat ourselves on the back for it, which does go back even further in the conversation to what you were saying, uh, Peter S about, uh, <laughs> about prayer. And the answer to false prayer, not being I make right prayer, but that Jesus has saved me from false prayer so that in, in, all of my good works and all of my best actions to recognize that I will have a, a taint of sinfulness at the very least, probably more a selfish direction or a selfish motivation, even though I might have a really good motivation too, that there will be a selfish motivation right there as close as the shadow or closer than the shadow on my right hand. And that the only answer to this is more of salvation, more of Jesus. It, 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 the simul justus et picata reality is consistent and will be there at all times. It shouldn't surprise us. It's one more reason to rejoice that we don't have to find our way out of it, but we've been declared out of it.
3: Yeah, and you just took the words out of my mouth. But these are important words that we are at the same time saint and sinner. And when we start talking about the works that Christians do, it's new man talk, new creation talk. We are those who have been conformed to Christ. And so in the image of Christ, we're going to go do these things. But so often when we start to talk that way, We're tempted to set aside. We're still sinners who are tainted by our sin, and we are both sinners and saints completely and totally at the same time. The math doesn't add up, and that's okay. We can let the math not add up. But we can say, even our good works are tainted, and it is Christ who makes those good works good. Mm. Um, It is Christ who ultimately sanctifies and makes holy the Christian, not the quality of my works works, but the quality of my Jesus.
1: This, uh, we've danced around this, but I want to say it as, as clear as I think I can. Nothing that you do as a Christian changes the way God feels about you. Nothing. Uh, God has declared you a Christian, which means he has declared that he is perfectly happy with you and will be forever because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Is it possible to not believe that? Yes. Is it possible to throw away that benefit? Yes, but that's not something you're you're doing. That's something you're not believing. You're not believing that he's saying that there's nothing you can do that will change the way God feels about you. Right? Uh, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ. Was the reading we skipped over in the three-year lecture this past weekend? Romans eight verse one. There's no condemnation. God is happy with you. Period. Living in that freedom. I I would contend gives you the ability to look at the law with open eyes really for the first time and and to see the goodness like we've been talking about and the desire to do it for the right reasons and all that kind of thing. But just you can't change God's opinion about you. Jesus is his declaration that he's happy with you no matter what. Now, an unbeliever doesn't believe that.
2: Which is a key point, too, because, you know, we, we hear in Scripture, well done, good and faithful servant. And and the sinful side of me says, well, what do I have to do to hear that? You know, yeah, have yeah. I done enough? And so forth. And the reality is, is that God is directing those words at his servant, Jesus,
3: hmm.
2: right? And then when I am baptized into Christ, when I am made into his image, those words are spoken to Jesus. And I hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. He's happy with me in Jesus, And I just simply believe in it. And that leads me to repentance very quickly when I fall off into my own sinful tendencies. And it also takes the weight off of me on the other end, too, to to believe that I need to do something to climb up, to be worthy, uh, to to have, you know, I once remember hearing a a non-denominational sermon, you know, about having empty hands at the end of my life, you know, when I stand before the Father. And it's like, wow, like. What, what way to beat me up with the law? <laughs> it's like it's like I have no hope as a dead person. Then um, how but, do uh, I know when my hands are yeah, going to be empty? I don't yeah. even know how to measure that. But but uh, and then I I contrasted with that. I, I think a week later I heard uh, a funeral sermon connecting him with the the funeral Paul and being covered in baptism and the imagery that we have in our old traditional funeral liturgies of that and the and the and the symbolism of I'm covered in Christ and and my hands are Christ's hands in that moment. I think
1: Luther says yeah. something about having empty hands being a good thing. That you enter right. paradise with your hands exactly. open yeah. saying, have mercy, right. Lord, I'm give. And, and he, right. wants, he wants to give to you. Yeah. You show up with a bunch of your works, he's going to be like, I don't know you. You haven't talked for a while. Peter, I. Just throwing it at you.
3: Then should we Then should we read just a little bit well, more? Well,
1: since you're now the permanent reader. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Great! Fun! Picking up in paragraph... Uh,
1: Ninety-three.
3: Nevertheless, we give Christ his own honor. We believe and teach that through faith, for Christ's sake, we are counted righteous before God. We are not counted righteous because of works without Christ as mediator. We do not merit forgiveness of sins, grace, and righteousness by works. We cannot set our works against God's wrath and justice. Works cannot overcome the terrors of sin. But... The terrors of sin are overcome through faith alone. Only Christ, the mediator, is to be presented by faith against God's wrath and judgment. If anyone thinks differently, he does not give Christ due honor. Christ has been set forth so that he might be an atonement, that through him we might have access to the Father.
2: This reminds me of an interview you just did recently at a conference. uh, Oh, at the Worship Institute last week? Um, Yeah. Was it Pastor Broughton? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I was talking about this. And uh, when when we understand that uh, we we are um, in the judgment of God. And what right? that judgment is. And what that yeah. judgment is. Wow. Wow. I, I really need some, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Thank More selfies. Pictures. Yes. Uh, but uh, I really, I really need, um, I really need some hope there and nothing can ease my conscience. Yeah. Except for Christ. Well, look, because yeah, look, look at what's it. being stacked up against our works. I mean, I'm just,
4: this kind of struck me as we're reading wrath, God's wrath and his justice, our sins, the forgiveness of sins, earning grace, righteousness, righteousness, Um, More wrath and judgment. I mean, look at this and said, and it's stacked against all that, my works. It's like, wait, what? Just you look at that, layout. it's like, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. Now, what's interesting is faith in Christ alone, it doesn't make sense either. I also don't like that answer. It's It's a different person within you that doesn't like it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I look at this, I, I, I can't do either of those things. Oh, look, I'm in that despair again. And what's the answer? Jesus. Jesus yeah come on pastors give me some Jesus <laughs>
1: <laughs> well he's the one who he's the one who has you right and this is this is it's not Jesus says okay now I go focus on Jesus it's the underneath the entire reality truth known only because it's declared from outside of you I'm not going to leave you or forsake you mm-hmm. I have died for you how I will not also along with that graciously give you all things. That reality is bigger than the internal struggle of which you're experiencing. Yeah. And the gospel is when that good news is preached to you in the midst of your struggle, which is the very thing that we're saying Rome has taken away, right? that they have stopped doing that. They started pointing you back to yourself. Well, look deep within and see if you really believe, right? And this, we would contend... As Work Lutherans, a little harder. Yeah, 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 we would contend this is not really limited to Rome at this point. It's, it's part of the entire American Christian leavening. And it's... It, it happens in Lutheran churches, it happens to Lutheran individuals. We wake up every day with it in our flesh. We got a war against it constantly. What's the answer? Jesus. Repent Jesus. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
4: The the interview I had with Pastor Broughton kind of focused on how we've actually stopped teaching our kids what that judgment is, that our sin is worthy of judgment. And so we've we've softened it and ended up potentially raising a generation of kids who don't understand that they are sinners in need of this grace. And therefore, well, why go to church? If the divine service is where I receive that forgiveness, but I don't even have this understanding of my need for forgiveness, why even go? What's the point? I don't need to be there anymore.
2: Yeah. Sorry for daring to be very Lutheran again, but what we always need is a proper distinction of law and gospel. <laughs> I mean, and, and this is really going to come up in the passages the adversaries misuse. I mean, they, they just are not distinguishing law and gospel. You got 30 seconds to tell me what that means. Well, so, I mean, it, are are you securing your sins? Right? Are, are are you thinking uh, I I am living a pretty good life? Are are you uh, Benjamin Franklin who thinks that you're achieving more holiness uh, by becoming better? Um, well, then I really need to you know proclaim the law to you, hmm. right? And and that God's law is proclaimed to that that we understand His judgment that our you know we can't stack up against that. Or am I terrified and overwhelmed by how sinful and terrible I am? Well, then I really need to hear the gospel. And really what I need to hear is God's word, Christ himself proclaimed to me, which is always law and gospel at the same time.
3: And we do hit a point of a little bit of a grayscale where people will say, well, everybody's a sinner and I'm a sinner like everybody else, but... Other than that, I'm I'm pretty much okay. But they're not terrified of their sin. They're they're not broken by God's law to the point where Christ is the answer. And if the law needs to do its work, uh, in order for the law does its work and shows us Jesus.
1: That's the, that's the angelic one uh, Pastor Peter Ill Thrown off by the music I believe He's pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstead, Illinois You heard the unanswerable Pastor Sean Smith Of St. Paul's Winehill Hill and Emmanuel West Point Both in Illinois Mr. Peter Slayton, the subtle one Has also joined us He works as social media manager for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod And I am your sometimes host Pastor Jonathan Fisk you to Concord Matters Where we believe that God speaks to bring us harmony And that harmony is in who Jesus is is what he has done we can be of one mind let's go to the word and find it there we'll catch you next week same crew should be back rock on